Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of The Embassies on the Lectern, the variety show where we talk about literally anything and everything. I'm your host, Dr. Marbell. Do you by any chance know what day it is? Well, in the event that you don't, it is September the 1st, 2022. Now, if you're like me, and you don't really pay attention to dates or times, and then all of a sudden you do, you're probably thinking something along the lines of, where in the world did the year go? Why is it already September? I blinked on like the 1st of June, and now I'm here. What in the world? What happened? Where did things go wrong? What button did I push, and how can I get back to summer? Just kidding, summer is... Blech. It's very, very hot and muggy and humid and just not my thing. I'm more of a spring guy. I like watching the flowers bloom after everything being dead and dormant and nasty looking. So, yeah, a little bit of a spring guy. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. Now, today's topic, or at least tonight's, is more on the technical side, and unless you know what exactly I'm talking about, you probably won't understand. But I'm going to do my best to explain everything to you in a relatively easy-to-understand manner. So, chances are you have a phone, a laptop, a tablet, iPod, something, because evidently you're listening to me ramble on about something. So... There are two things that can come from this. Number one, as as I mentioned before, you have a, some sort of device. Number two, said device is connected to the internet. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to listen to me. Well, what exactly is the point? Well, if you have a device that's connected to the internet, you're using something called web 2.0. That is the second iteration of the World Wide Web. Well, awesome, I guess. What is that supposed to mean, Web 2.0? Why? Why is that something that evidently we need to know? Well, Web 2.0 is the successor to the World Wide Web, or sometimes referred to as Web 1. Now, in Web 1, you would expect you would see things that came straight from the 90s or the 80s when the web was first conceptualized and released. So these really wonky-looking um, static web pages. Um, what I'm trying to think of the name. There's a there's a um, a music pirating site that you could go on to that looked a, a lot like this time period. Uh, I can't for the life of me remember it, and I don't really have the time to remember it. But, you know, it, it, they don't look very good. They look alright. Um, AOL, like if you ever see whoever watches tapes anymore, like like VHS tapes, and you see like a, an ad, a um, included ad for 
AOL or America Online, and you look at, and you look like at the screen that they have on there, that is what you would see on Web One. Now, Web Two, what we have now, is what is a is the foundation of what supports websites such as Facebook, Instagram, Amazon, uh, Microsoft, Google. All these things are a result of Web 2.0. It is faster, it is more reliable, more secure, not to mention it allows for a lot of better looking things. I mean, seriously, have you looked at Apple's website? I'm not an Apple fan. And if you know me, this is very much a clear opinion of mine. I do not like Apple. I hate it. It's nasty. I will not touch it with a 10-foot pole. However, I give props to the web designers of the Apple website because it is literally one of the most beautiful websites I have ever seen. And I, I just got to give credit where credit is due even if I do not like Apple. But I digress. So that is Web 2.0, or Web 2. You get not really nice looking things, and again, it is more reliable, more secure, and it's just generally faster. Well, here is tonight's topic. Web 3. Now, Web 3 is not exactly out yet, but just like Web 2, it is the th Web 3 is the third iteration of the World Wide Web. And this time, the features that come along with it are as follows. Blockchain technologies, decentralization, and something that is um, very popular amongst investors in this, in this area right now, the use of and ability to trade cryptos on the fly. You heard me right. Web3 is going to be your best friend if you are currently a holder of Bitcoin, Ethereum, Doge, um, Litecoin, you know, any sort of cryptocurrency that you may or may not have. Web3 is going to be your best friend because when it releases that blockchain technology stuff that I'm talk that I've mentioned is going to allow for websites such as Reddit, um, Facebook, or well, Meta, I suppose, Meta, um, these various websites to support the trading of crypto. Very, very much so like how many people now would just take their credit credit card or debit card and put type in their information and then pay for something on Amazon it's going to function a lot like that except with a um, crypto wallet and cryptocurrency so what exactly makes this so important that I bring this up well to be honest I just think it's cool because for the first time you are able to trade or at least when it releases 
at that point you will the holders of crypto will finally be able to openly trade what they have which is presumed to have value with companies and websites and other thing other places like that and be able to get something in return and in the process essentially giving Bitcoin, Ethereum, Doge, you know, all these all these cryptocurrencies, their first ever solid price and solid value. Something that has not been seen before. If you are a stock a uh, fan of the stock market and you're watching like these stocks and the shares of like Dogecoin, Dogecoin especially, especially recently. It changes by the second. Like it's gonna go up three points, down three points, down six, down five, up thirteen. You know, it's just constantly moving. And if you're not careful, you can either lose money in a matter of seconds, or you can gain a lot in a matter of seconds. But the point is, it, it fluctuates a lot. Bitcoin does this. Ethereum does this and they're like the higher end um, currencies at the moment like if last time I checked I believe like Bitcoin was at like $24,000 and change but still that's a lot of money for just one Bitcoin but despite being that expensive it's still not a solid price because if you watch the stock market, yeah, if you watch the stock market, just like everything else, its shares goes up and down, up and down every single day. So if we were able to trade them instead of just person to person, but via things like um, a contract or commission or things like that, something that would be like person-to-person transaction. It would instead be person-to-business, or customer-to-business. And as I said, in doing so, that would give these crypto, various cryptocurrencies a solid value, very similar to how the American U.S. dollar used to have a solid value back when it was still based on gold, or, excuse me, the gold standard. But we haven't seen that for a good while. And while we're on the subject of money, I just want to bring up a very interesting thing that um, a friend of mine brought up uh, a year ago. If you take out any U.S. bill, I'm talking about money, but if you take out any U.S. bill, like a dollar bill or a $10 bill, and you look at the very, if you pull out a $10 bill or a $1 bill or a $5 bill, anything, and you look at the very top, it says Federal Reserve Note. Now, many of you probably have seen this, but never actually sat down to think, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you. That means that it is not, that the current money, the money that we have in our pockets today, were not minted with its value based on gold, like it used to be in Nixon's era. As a matter of fact, I believe Nixon was the one that was like, 
yeah, we're not going to do this anymore. I could be wrong, don't quote me, but that's a fun fact. Money is no longer based on gold. Instead, it's just a made-up value. Yay, inflation! That's where it comes from. And, speaking of inflation, that actually brings me back to my point, my, my topic. Believe it or not, cryptocurrencies are not susceptible, or, excuse me, are not unsusceptible to inflation. <clears throat> yes, they have been given a more solid value um, than physical money, but it still costs a lot to generate these coins. Well, how does Bitcoin and cryptocurrency get generated? Well, let me tell you, if you have watched the news up in Seattle, there is a fact, a rundown fact, not well, maybe not rundown anymore, but there is a factory, an old factory that has been repurposed for data mining. Data mining for what you ask? Cryptocurrency. Essentially, it is a large cluster of supercomputers that go through millions and millions of hashes a second in order to crank out um, these blockchain objects which later get assigned a value and a name such as Bitcoin. Do you know how much electricity it takes to power a cluster of supercomputers? No? Well, quite frankly, neither do I, but I know it's a lot. I do know that. Because the factory that the supercomputers in Seattle are, are currently based in had to be outfitted with a hydroelectric water wheel. Not to mention it also has solar panels and wind turbines around it. Now, I could be wrong. I'm doing most of this from memory. So, once again, do not quote me on it. But, it is in Seattle. It is a, it is a factory that has been repurposed. And, they are, there are supercomputers up there that are constantly data mining to give us Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Well, I'm afraid that's all I've got. So... Until next time. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to yet another episode of On The Lectern. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and hit that share button and send it on down to your friends, your family, co-workers, neighbors, teachers, loved ones, or perhaps the neighbor down the street. So until next time, I've been your host, Dr. Marbell.